Yeah, and do you think they're exceptional casks? Um, or do you think they're just saying they're exceptional casks? <laughs> I well, I've I mean no my, one opens them to know, so yeah. Well, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to Super Social Club. I'm Jeremy. This is Whiskey in the Six. I'm Rob. Welcome to the Whiskey Ramp Podcast. It's a little crusty. It's frustrating. And it's gonna be a little bit of a rant. I don't understand it. I don't know why. Some sort of injustice. Anyway, and rant. Hello and welcome back to the Whiskey Rant Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Rob. And in our presence tonight, we are gifted with the absolute legend himself, Ralphie. This is the third time on the podcast. Um, Ralphie, thank you so much for joining us yet again. And we are super grateful for that because this is not something that he does very often. The original whiskey ranter, Ralphie himself. Yes. Here we go. Oh, bless. Bless you lots, guys. The the original thingy-me-bob. The original nuisance. (laughs) Yeah. That is my title uh, in the whiskey industry, uh, and I'm quite proud of it. And um, yes, um, let me see. We're in 2020, uh, 23, October 2023 at the point of recording. And I have managed to last, uh, let me see, 14 years. Yeah, a huge accomplishment. With- um, you just released content, your yeah one thousandth whiskey review, in which you did a five part series on Springbank, kind of like a little private distillery tour. I thought it was really insightful, a really cool thing. You opened up with episode one, kind of as like a fitter philosophy kind of um, take, which I thought was really cool as well. Yeah, and some insight to your you know your thoughts on the whiskey Health. industry. Uh, a whole bunch of things in general, and then kind of took us through Springbank. Um, really cool because we were all kind of thinking, "What's Ralphie going to do for his thousandth review? Like, is he going to pull out something you know that he's got on the shelf that's been collecting dust? Something really interesting." Um, this was an interesting take on your thousand review. So, kind of talk about your decision to do that instead of just like reviewing a single bottle. Yes, um, <clears throat> a thousand. Is quite a round number. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fact that with the patience of whiskey fans and viewers, some of whom have watched all thousand reviews, I mean, you're talking about months worth of viewing yeah. uh, exclusively some bunnity guy, usually in the bothy, <laughs> occasionally having a rant, and always giving an opinion, even when it's not perhaps an orthodox taking things, and it doesn't dovetail in with industry-led marketing messaging, and I think that's quite important. And I was conscious of this when I was thinking about what to do for the thousandth review. Um, and as many folk in the whiskey in the whiskey sphere are aware. Um, the first distillery I ever visited in my channel for a fairly substantial walkthrough was Springbank. And for a very simple reason, because I was fully aware that it was a small, very compact, old school distillery, which absolutely does, not did, does everything from start to finish in-house manually. And this is something that is highly unusual, actually, in not just in Scotch whiskey, but with any spirit makers anywhere in the world. So you have a situation where the grain arrives in the back of a lorry. 
it's then pumped into a steeping steeping basin where it's soaked and then after a good soaking it's laid out on the maltings floor where it's left to to germinate of course it'll happen more quickly during the summer and more slowly during the winter but even at that point a relatively inexperienced whiskey fan can say aha they're going not for efficiency of yield not for alcoholic efficiency, but for flavor efficiency, because they're using practical experience rather than push button technology to decide as and when the grain has sprouted enough to deliver a decent yield of alcohol from the sugars, but whilst retaining some of the proteins and some of the starches along with the husk and the rest, which are going to contribute to the flavor and i know some folk will say well hang about ralphie husk doesn't contribute to the flavor of whiskey well actually it most certainly does if they've been using peat in the kiln because husk absorbs a lot of peat smoke hmm. so it, it's the the, the walkthrough happened in about six sessions and in retrospect i missed out the washback right hmm. but that's because I was running out of batteries for my, for my little flip cam the camera had at the time. And I thought, well, I'll come back later and, and do it. But there was no need. Uh, and it was quite a compliment I got just visiting the distillery a few weeks ago to record the thousandth review when one of the, the guys there says, hey, Ralphie, um, whenever you know I was learning to do tours around our distillery, I watched your video from 14 years ago well 13 mm. years ago wow. and, and that's basically gave me a kind of root plan and what to say and what to talk about when discussing it with visitors um, and it surprises me now guys it really does that there's still very few distilleries in scotland even make a feature of the fact that they can do maltings on the premises they can bottle on the premises using distillery water to cut down the strength of the alcohol if necessary. So when they're looking at fact that there's not there's barely a single bottle of Springbank anywhere in the world that's gathering dust in shelves at the moment. Yep. So why why on earth are other distilleries, particularly new start distilleries, not doing exact cut and copies mm -hmm. of what Springbank are doing. Agreed. Now, this, you've got a small distillery recently started in Scotland called Loch Lee, and they've actually basically brought in a lorry to do some maltings on, in the back of the lorry, in the in, in the bed of it. Um, so they're kind of putting a tarpaulin over the top, and it may seem a bit old-fashioned and rustic and extreme, but it's working for them. So sorry, um, they're they're putting like essentially what we would call a transport truck, and they're just they're doing malting in the truck. Yeah, in the back of the truck. Oh wow, wow, <laughs> and that's uh, exactly that's working exactly. out for them. You know, it's a talking point. It's it's something that impresses people. Yeah, you know, you think you know that uh, say, oh well, you know, I hope they gave that host the host out the back of that truck because they're dirty things and all the rest of it. Well, of course they have. They've yeah. thoroughly cleaned out the back of that truck. Yeah. But the fact that they're malting in the back of it 
is now an online conversational piece. Mm. And without doubt, we can already measure it, is bringing attention towards Lochley Distillery, which is then highlighting the fact that the manager there is very highly experienced, professional and competent, and spent most of his working life at working at Lafroy Distillery in, in, in Isla. Oh, wow. Where, of course, they have their own malting floors. So he knows the value of it because he's worked with it. Right. And the fact is when distilleries are buying in ready-made, ready-milled ground barley flour and husk to go straight into the sparging tank, um, they're getting a generic industrial product. They can't control the yeast. They can't control the kilning process. They don't, in fact, control the variability of between flavour and alcohol yield coming out that grain. And what I'm talking about now would never even have entered the conversation 10 years ago. But that's the power of geekery. That's the power of whiskey passion. And the part of the authenticity of what is specifically an online online conversation, which it may occasionally happen at a whiskey festival. It'll certainly happen in a whiskey club. But folk are genuinely interested in finding out how flavour gets into the bottle. And the more people know about this, the more people can make informed, better value purchasing decisions for buying whiskey. And this is why I've gone return to Springbank, an important episode, episode 1000. So I phoned them up. They said, hey, Ralphie, you're welcome anytime. Um, So I just arranged to uh, drive over in the Maltmobile, uh, headed round to Campbelltown, <laughs> spent a day with them, met a few uh, viewers and, and and fans as well who were also visiting the distillery uh, and got some lovely informal, unassuming content, which it's not heavy duty. Um, and I'd also I'd conclude by saying, sure, there was a distillery out there wanted to send me a bottle of 40-year-old single malt. And I said, thank you so much, but no. No, I am not prepared to use my thousandth review Mm -hmm. to endorse your distillery because you want to gift me. It's very thoughtful and, you know, good luck to your, you know, to your best efforts, but no thanks. Do you want to uh, do you want to name the distillery? We'll, we'll bleep it out. I have a I have a <laughs> I have a funny suspicion. I I know who it is, but right, I'm not going to say. Right. Well, I'm not going to say either because <laughs> the important thing, one of the the important things about the online whiskey community, is that we keep things civil. Um, and we don't just slag off, ridicule, or blast anybody out there who in the industry that's just trying to get on with their job Mm -hmm. and good luck to them the job's a little bit more difficult than it used to be particularly in marketing when you've got people in the industry standing at tables serving and pouring whiskey and then people come out up to the the table totally unassuming just a 
just an ordinary member of the public, and within 10 minutes, they've demonstrated that they know more about the distillery than the person actually standing, pouring the work. Pouring oh, the yeah. That probably happens like quite a bit nowadays, now you would think, because like, yeah. you know, those people maybe just get like an infographic sheet uh, and, yeah. you know, they might not even have been to the distillery before. And suddenly you have someone coming in there with all this knowledge about their whiskey. Well, they're ultimately hired because they're controllable. Sure. I mean, they're, they're good salespeople and they, they can do the spiel and whatever else. Uh, Ralphie, I think like for me, like for you choosing to go back to Springbank and kind of do this like five-parter as your 1000th review, it kind of like speaks to, you know, like you showcasing Springbank as like, this is how Scotch Wishy should be done. And like the results that you get from doing it this way are the best. And it's kind of like a message to the rest of the industry is like, guys, this is how you want to do it. Yeah. Um, Is that, is that kind of like what you were thinking maybe a little bit um, with that? Yes. Uh, definitely, Jeremy, and I'll go even further. And also, it's an informal vote of support for a new generation of distilleries globally right. who are bottling at unchill filtered at a nominally higher strength of 46% volume alcohol, uh, natural color, and actually messaging about the practicalities and the provenance of production rather than disingenuous appropriated spiel mm-hmm. uh, and in in continue and being in being very visible with this message the small distilleries who are just getting started at the most difficult time of their lives where they're going to be the shortest of ca- with cash and they don't know if their product's going to actually work and be uh, assimilated into the whiskey scene and they won't know until they actually sell the product and it's not the first bottle that matters it's the second third and fourth it's the repeat sales right. and this is why new distilleries need to be so so careful to put out their whiskey when it's ready and not before also when even putting out small volumes of their whiskey don't inflate the price to drive people away because that's most certainly happening. Mm-hmm. And it's not just happening in Scotland, it's happening all over the world because it may be exciting in the last 10 years, 14 years has been very exciting with all the new distilleries, uh, the new awareness, the incredible usefulness and value of all online commentary. But it's nothing compared to the next 10 years when you're going to see an explosion in the American single malt whiskey scene. You're going to see an explosion across the UK, Britain and Europe and Ireland of all these new distilleries which are appearing, uh, some of whom are really just winging it and others have got more knowledge and experience than the members of staff. And this is an advantage, of course, in Britain in that many of the new distillers are taking experienced time-served whiskey professionals from bigger companies. And these people know what they're doing. And sure, they may not have the final decision in pricing and bottling and all the rest of it, but at least they're heading in the right direction. 
And of course, Canada, you guys are both Canadian. Yeah, you have new distilleries in Canada. There's not that many, but there are more appearing. Um, it's really interesting times because I notice that outside of Canada, there's more awareness of a, a new generation of Canadian single malt whiskey made authentically and delivered very successfully by the likes of Shelter Point, Macaloni's, and of course, good old Glenora mm -hmm. um, in Nova Scotia, which was the distillery, of course, a Canadian distillery that kicked off the production, the, the foundation of my, my, my video channel. Right. Because That's I was right. raging at the Scotch Whiskey Association. I was so angry at the time, guys, that they should demand that a Canadian distillery not use the word Glen because it might be confused with Scotch whiskey. You know, how incredibly culturally arrogant. It's It beggars belief that here you have Glenora Distillery. Where is it? Nova Scotia. Oh, right. Yo. What does Nova Scotia mean? It means New Scotland. That's what it means. <laughs> right. and do you find any Scottish people or people of Scottish ancestry in Nova Scotia? Absolutely. I suspect you really, really do. Yeah. And yet this cultural arrogance within the higher echelons of the whiskey industry was giving this small distillery such a hard time for it. Unfortunately, the original owner lost his health as a result of it, and this is well documented. Uh, but it's great to see that distillery still, still going, which is why, spoiler alert, I recently bought another bottle of 10-year-old Glen Breton, which I'm reviewing for Ralph Review 1001. Thanks to today's sponsor, Lather. They keep re releasing some ridiculous smelling items. The scents that they come out with are phenomenal. New one for the fall season, this soap right here, the Rustic Pumpkin. Rustic Pumpkin is killer. Yeah. This one right here, Fresh AF, is exactly as advertised. <laughs> French Mineral Clay plus green tea. It smells incredible. Yeah, it does smell really, really good. Honestly, at I had a chance to try these shampoos, both incredible. They have a tattoo bomb. This is what I'm excited about because I have a couple of tattoos and it's like, it's super important to keep your tattoo moisturized, especially when it's first done. Yeah. It's like super, super important. Like every tattoo artist will like stress, like keep this thing moisturized. You want something that's like, you know, more a natural product, which this is, it's like, it's, it's perfect for anyone with a tattoo. You have to have it. Absolutely. And keep your eyes out for some of the new scents sour spritz this is like sour skittles it is really good it is the really good. black cherry smells exactly like what you would think black cherry smells like yeah and the eucalyptus lime is unbelievable yeah who this, would have thought that that's a great combo this black cherry musk beard bomb is, is really really nice everything honestly lather produces has been phenomenal i've had only great experiences there's nothing that i'm like eh, i wish i didn't get that mm -hmm. Yeah, we love the product, and uh, check out the link down below. Check out Lather. Yeah, you got to check out Lather, guys. There you there go. go. <laughs> love and that. do you know what, guys? Awesome. No spoilers, but the whiskey is even better than the first time I tasted it. 
14 years ago. I love wow. that. A full circle. A full circle. We should all yeah. the way back around. Bottle as all well. the way back around. We should support that. Um, why don't you tell them what we were drinking here? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to honor your 1000 review and your trip to Springbank, we decided to do a couple bottle kills of Springbank over here. Yeah. This is the 2020 21-year-old, uh, which is one of the darkest 21-year-olds I think they've released in a very long time, mm -hmm. as well as side-by-side -side with the Society release 28-year-old that was uh the miniature bottles the 200 cl or the 20 cl sorry i should say uh 200 milliliter bottle um, uh -huh. just because we knew that you had a banger of a spring bank that you talked about a, you if you guys haven't watched the review you really should go watch all five parts um at the end i'm not actually i'm not gonna say when he <laughs> i just did kind of but um <laughs> He, you talk about your favorite spring bank, which I'm not going to reveal unless you you're willing to do that. Uh, well, I've now. got a bottle. I've got a bottle here. Oh, there, there it is. Yeah, there. Yeah. Uh... This there it is. I mean, this is the long row version mm. because when and this isn't that long ago, but things move so fast now, guys, that five years is a long time in the whiskey, and five years ago. I could go out and I could still buy Springbank and I didn't have to join the ballot. I didn't have to join the lucky dip. I didn't have to join a three-hour queue and wonder when the fight was going to break out and the police would have to be called. Right. You know, it's you know true. These, th these things happen. It's, it's just, unfortunately, it, it's just gone a little bit crazy, but this is nothing to do with Springbank and everything to do with the consequences of providing what is simply a globally recognized iconic spirit from Scotland's most important Scotch whiskey maker. And good luck to Edrington and McAllen. I mean, when they come out with 95, 97, 100 year old. And it's going straight into auction and, you know, it's private clients here, there and everywhere. I mean, good luck to them. I'm actually grateful to McAllen for taking the heat off genuine quality whiskies at affordable prices so that the super rich are that busy stocking up on the on the name that they're leaving the 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 better quality affordable whiskies alone. So I think McAllen are doing us a favor. Yeah, I think uh, we talked a little bit about that, actually. We talked about that when in regards to Ben Romick because they're slowly picking up steam in North America now. And we're kind of hoping that, not I mean, selfishly hoping that it just dies down a little bit so that we can still <laughs> the get The bottles them. will still be available for us. You know, the cash rank is still readily available here. It mm -hmm. comes out. I mean, it sells out relatively quickly, but at least you're everyone's able that really wants to to get a bottle get a shot of it. Um, yeah. Tell us about that spring bank because when you mentioned it in your video as as your favorite spring bank, um, I looked it up because I wasn't really familiar with it. It's the Runlets and Kilderkins. Kilderkins, that's right. Do you know? Do you know what these are? It's a. It's like a. It's an eighth of a. It's like a quarter cask, but smaller. Right. It's like a very very small cask. Right. Rundlets 
are are simply a small cask that would be used in breweries and kilderkins or small casks that would be used in distilleries. And they're really old school names um, before the advent of the term quarter cask. Uh, so the, the the thing about the range, when, when Springbank bought them out, of course, there was no marketing, no foreign notice. They simply appeared in the shops and you basically, you had to jump in and buy what you could buy while it was still available. And I could see which way things were going with Springbank. So I bought about, bought about four bottles of each. I got four bottles of the Springbank Rundlets and Kilderkins, the Long Row Rundlets and Kilderkins, and the Hazelburn Rundlets and Kilderkins. Um, and, and obviously, any whiskey fan will know that Long Row is pated Springbank, and Hazelburn is triple distilled Springbank, uh, un relatively unpeated. And with the, with the influence of smaller casks, and importantly, these were active casks, they're really good quality casks, you have far more rapid maturation in a shorter space of time. And one of the consequences is that the actual integrity and the fullness of the spirit coming from the still goes over time more intact. So, I mean, these are non-age statement whiskies. I would reckon they were bottled seven or eight years. If they'd been in standard casks, they'd have been quite sort of, they'd have needed very active casks to balance them off. But being in small casks, um, they were basically super ready. Now, having said that, I've just noticed... <laughs> The 11-year-old age statement. And I was going to say, I thought these were around 10 or 11. Yeah, they're 2001 so, uh, distillate. Is that right? Uh, let me show. Jeez, where's the steampunker? So there we are. <laughs> first first blooper. I don't bother about bloopers anyway. I'm not um, the bottle that I looked up, because I was really interested in this one, because I hadn't seen the Springbank before. No. Um, it was a 2001, I believe, vintage distillate, maybe perhaps, um, for the Springbank version. Very limited, 9,000 bottles. Um, but yeah, really interesting. I've never heard of these casts. I mean, we hear of quarter casts, of course, um, but something smaller than a quarter cast I didn't even think even existed. I feel like I had a shot at the Hazelburn and I passed up on it. Obviously, this was what five you said five years ago. I don't know. It'd be it'd be at least it'd be ten over ten years ago. Oh, is it that much? Yeah. Is it really? I mean, time flies. I tell you what it is saying in the back yeah. of the label. Yeah, I've got the steampunk here, and I can actually read it by getting the reflection, the right light, the light right in the back of the lake. It's got a bit of metallic ink in mm -hmm. it. Um, it's basically saying a a Kilderkin Arundlet is a small oak cask equal to an imperial measurement of volume of eighteen gallons or sixty eight liters. Okay. Not much. So it's not much. I mean, these are really blood cask sizes. And a quarter cask, you're looking at approximately 150 liters or so. Well, I this think. is specifically saying 68 liters. Yeah. So it's like half the size of a quarter cask. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's an eighth of a cask. Eighth, it's an eighth of a cask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. That's what, very cool. What occasionally gets called a blood cask. Right. 
Um, and the reason for the word blood is that it's the size of cask, about 60 litres, that will hold all the blood drained from a pig. Interesting. Right. Hopefully uh, that's not what was in the uh, cask before uh, they put whiskey in it. <laughs> well, no. There's a first for everything. <laughs> um, but, well, yeah, really interesting bottling. So what do you kind of get there? Is it is it predominantly like... Is that a sherry cask? It looks it like, pretty dark. Is it a virgin oak that they would put the spirit in there? Or like would that cask have had anything before it? I, have, be a... I believe it has. I believe the cask has been seasoned with with another spirit. Okay. It it the times where it's very difficult to tell, and also the distillery is not giving too much away. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is whatever they've done, whatever they've done, they've done a good job. Right. And this is really, really enjoyable stuff. And importantly, I mean, I'm thinking five years ago, it certainly could be longer because I'm busy trying to look for a date in this thing about, I've got a date, brilliant, bottled 2013, okay. 10 years ago. Yep. Yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. So the so, shot I had at this was probably about eight years ago when I first started the channel and I was not really sure about Springbank yet. Right. And... That's, bottle was floating around bottles were flo huh. floating around and i you know passed up like an idiot and regretted ever since <laughs> um well they all are available on the uh auction world not like crazy expensive compared to other spring banks um maybe it's not as collectible as some others but um still quite pricey of course um yeah no really interesting and of course you know ralphie picks one that uh is off the beaten path of spring bank that you know not too many people would have would have heard of before right um but yeah no really interesting um, I, I, I specifically picked it jeremy because i enjoyed it so much at the time yeah um and sure it, it was very available there wasn't the huge surge of interest that has happened in the last specifically three to four years with Springbank. But having said that, certainly in the UK, there's people picking up Springbanks now, the younger Springbanks, at auction, at retail price, or virtually at retail price. Oh, wow. And the reason for this is that the whiskey investment scene have suddenly discovered that their mortgage payments are absolutely rocketing due to the manipulations of the economy in, in the UK post-Brexit. And the consequence is that suddenly they need a bit more money. So they're putting their whiskey into auction. And because there is more supply at auction in relation to the demand at auction, um, they, they'll notice that they're on a waiting list, a longer and longer waiting list before their bottles actually go on sale. And this discourages people from putting on a limit price for the sale of their, their spring banks. Or if you want, Kilcairn's, because Kilcairn is as an amazing substitute for spring bank. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget about the other options out there. Uh, such as Lechik, Lechik, 10-year-old, the non-age statement Sinclair Rioja, 
the 18-year-old's an absolute banger. You know, once you go on a little whiskey journey, a whiskey chase, you can find some amazing bottlings at relatively good prices. And an example recently that I tripped over, and this keeps me fresh, by the way, with my channel, is buying a bottle on a hunch saying, well, hopefully it'll be good, but then I pour a glass and suddenly I realise how good it is. And that happened recently with a very innocuous, unhyped bottle of whiskey that appeared in the British market called McLean's Nose, huh. um, which has been bottled by the the relatively new Ardna Merkin distillery. Huh. Oh, yes. It's a traditional scotch. In other words, it's a blend of malt and grain whiskey from column stills, but it's predominantly a combination of Ardna Merkin and Glen Scotia. And it's relatively young, 32 pounds a bottle, which probably equates to about 55 Canadian dollars. So it's superb value, mm -hmm. really good quality. Uh, so when, when someone will come onto the channel and say, hey, Ralphie, I'm a student, I don't have much money, and I want to buy myself a special treat, to see in the new year, can you recommend something? Say, no problem. McLean's knows, hmm. or perhaps you might want to consider, if you can find it, one of the Thompson Brothers bottlings of their, their young six-year-old or even their eight-year-old, which they've brought out recently. And let's not forget that there's other independent bottlers out there who are suddenly saying, if we can produce a super blend as an independent bottler, um, it's going to grab people's attention. So at the moment, you've got independent bottlers like Douglas Lang producing, you know, your big peat and your blended malts and other blended malts, a variety of blended malts, which offer really good value for money in terms of the quality. But I think it's going to be fairly soon that they put out as an alternative uh, a new generation of traditional blended Scotch whiskey at 46%, unchill filtered, natural colour, affordable price, and people are going to jump on it. I have yeah. a question about... Um, so, 1,000 reviews, um, a ton of videos with the extras and, and everything else. Uh, now the the Oshawa's... Online Scotch Whiskey Awards, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the vision? What's the vision with Oshawa's? Like, where do you... Do you expect this to go... Big scale where, you know, hopefully in the future we all go to Scotland and we're all dressed in... Uh, oh, like the red red carpet and we go to theater yeah. and it's a whole production, so yeah. what's the vision with the Oshawa's? Because for those of you that don't know, which I'm sure everybody listening does, uh, the Online Scotch Whiskey Awards... November 4th. Coming out soon, you'll get to see who wins for 2023... Uh, such an incredible thing you guys have done. A ton of work goes into it. I really commend you and Roy for all the work uh -huh. you guys have done for this. Uh, yeah, just curious where what what the big picture for you guys will be. Do you believe that? Uh, I believe personally. I, I'll give you my belief after, but I, I want to hear what you guys think for it. It's an idea whose time arrived during pandemic lockdown. And I discussed it with Roy 
just sent him an email and then we discussed the online Scotch Whiskey Awards in light of the fact that within the space of less than a month, the entire Scotch whiskey industry had been turned on its head by the catastrophic closure of bars, hotels, cancellation of wedding events, social activities, cancellation of whiskey festivals. And suddenly they're sitting with all this whiskey that they cannot sell. The only way they could sell it was online. The only way people could order whiskey for delivery, for local delivery through the smaller retailers was by phoning the shop and placing an order for delivery by courier or by going online, buying online and having delivered through the postal service. And this was dramatic. This was a huge shock to the Scotch whisky industry. And like every other industry, they weren't prepared for it. And the consequences was that suddenly this highlighted how essential online activity was for the future of the Scotch whisky industry. And therefore, the timing was perfect for the first Oswas in 2000 and 20 towards the tail end or to, toward the beginning of the end of the global virtually i mean sweden never went into lockdown no um it never happened they never closed the shops they never confined people into their home they never made people wear wear masks um and sweden latterly it appears never suffered any dramatic consequences as a result. But what happened, happened. And I think that many people, for many reasons, had their mindset changed. And one of the consequences was people who were maybe reluctant or occasionally using online, starting to regularly use online. And then when you're not out socialising, you're not in the bar, and you can't go out, you're at home. What are you going to do? Put on your computer. What are you going to do if you're a whiskey enthusiast? You're going to look at more variety of whiskey content. And that is where the timing of the OSWA is important. And Roy is a perfect partner for it because both Roy and I are very different people. He's gregarious, outgoing, positive, inclusive, and he likes to get the kind of the extended whiskey family going. Uh, whereas I'm the opposite. I'm grumpy, introvert, occasionally ranty. Uh, I prefer just to be in the bothy, in the middle of nowhere, and with nobody knocking on the door. That's the way I like it. That's the way I am. So the two of us, I say, right, well, if I do this bit, Roy, and you do that bit, Roy, and between the two of us, we'll finance it. So there's no third parties. So this this is a Scotch Whiskey Award. This, uh, it's not just another award, because there's plenty of awards out there from the World Whiskey Award, the International Wines and Spirits, the Scottish Whiskey Award, the Scottish Field Award. There's plenty out there. But we're transparently doing it on a completely democratic vote-led playing field, where it's a simple system, it's highly cost-efficient, 
And there's no way we're going to get vast amounts of audience very quickly. It's something just like the whiskey scene itself online that's growing incrementally and steadily. And it's not so much the number of people who connect with the online Scotch Whiskey Awards, although that is most certainly growing. It's what people are getting out of it and how it is steering their whiskey purchasing. Because anybody could point to the short list of best Scotch whiskey and say, well, you know, if you've got any of those bottles in your shelf, you've got a winner. Right. And importantly, although some are expensive, others are certainly not expensive. So you have the whole thing financed by my Patreon subscribers and Roy's Patreon subscribers, 50-50. And Roy and I sort of kind of manage the whole thing, manage the structure of the thing with the support of our social media content makers um, who are doing a fantastic job. And then we have our contributors online, 65 contributors, including yourselves, guys, um, who are creating the nominations in each of the categories we then get the vote on the nominations to, cap, to narrow it down to six. And at that point, it goes out to a public vote. So it's a very simple formula. And although the corporate-sized companies barely registers, register its existence, the smaller distilleries, the independent bottlers, they really appreciate the fact that the OSWIS, the Online Scotch Whiskey Awards, is authentically online and can only work online. You couldn't just lift it and dump it into conventional format with, with five course meals in a grand hotel in the middle of Edinburgh <laughs> and then invite all the distillers to pay X thousand pounds a ticket just to attend. To applaud the winners. You know, I'm being cheeky. I know I'm being cheeky, but do you know what? <laughs> the fundamental thing about the internet is it completely empowers the nobodies to do something and be something for other people who are just like us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're we're not generally speaking on the industry's guest list. That's true. And frankly, we don't need to be. We don't particularly want to be. It's actually a good thing to keep the separation, keep the distance, and whilst we do so, keep it civil, keep it sensible. And sure, there'll be the occasional bloopers, the occasional rants, but, you know, we're all looking out, whether directly or indirectly, we're looking out for one another. And if someone appears... That's whose content is perhaps a little too driven by intoxication, they will get to know about it. Mm -hmm. We want to get your opinion on the online Scotch Whiskey Awards, and it's specifically a category on Distillery of the Year. Um, mm -hmm. Springbank, of course, is up again. They won the previous year. We have noticed some disdain for Springbank as a whole because the availability is so limited, and a lot of bottles get picked up by people who are in for it for investment purposes or whatever. 
yeah. does Springbank, in your opinion, still deserve to potentially win Distillery of the Year despite their availability to the majority of people? Or do you think that people might look at a different distillery just because Springbank isn't available to them? Mm -hmm. I get one vote, Jeremy. I, I can't make any decision in that. It's down to the voters. It's down to anybody and everybody online who's interested in whiskey and where they want to place their vote. So as much as there are detractors of Springbank who are frustrated that they can't buy the whiskey, I think the real direction of that frustration should be, well, why aren't other distilleries being more like Springbank and delivering fantastic whiskey, which we really want to buy? And unfortunately, you have some whiskey producers who will bring out their annual release of special bottles of whiskey. And you look at the price and you think to yourself, seriously, are they taking the piss? Right. You know, there's no way. There's no way on my budget I'm even going to contemplate paying that money for that product. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I totally get it because I understand that frustration because I'm going out to buy Springbank um, and I'm thinking, oh, forget it. Forget it. I, I'm not even going to try and join the, the scrum or the queue. I'm not even going to be there. What else am I going to get instead of Springbank? Mm -hmm. Right. How about Kilkerran? Can you still get Kilkerran? Um, yes, actually, you can. Where can you buy it? If you can buy it in the shops in the UK, you can be get it to auction for roughly the same as the retail price. So it's really swings and roundabouts. Um, so people are now looking, well, what's going to be the next Springbank? So, guys, do you have any idea what, what, from where you're sitting in Canada? What's the next Springbank? I think based on availability, it has to be Ben Romick for us. I mean, we've mentioned Ben Romick as an alternative to Springbank. Yeah. I think yeah. just based on availability, that's the best option. Um, we don't get enough of uh, our... <laughs> Of course, I, I have to butcher our Namurkin. Our Namurkin. Uh, we no. can't pronounce that distillery's yeah, name very well. I think you, you've yeah. pronounced it very well, Jeremy. But the first time that was that's this is the first time I've but done it right. I, I've been oh. trying to teach him how to pronounce it for the last three months, and then of course when I'm in front of you, I butcher yeah. it. There's blooper reels being created right now of me butchering that name yeah. over and over and over. Again. <laughs> Let me give you the Scottish version. Art Art Namurkin. Ardner Merkin. You gotta, you gotta Ardner swallow Merkin. the R. Right. That's what my Scottish friend said to swallow me. Swallow the R. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and spit out again. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I, I would Merkin. think it's been yeah, I would think I would think Ben Romick for us, just based on yeah. availability. We get the cast strength regularly. It's a phenomenal bottling. Um as far as non-peated, I would go Glen Alecky. Glen mm -hmm. Alecky is is probably uh, that's my goal. I mean, right now, based on availability, those two are my go-to. Ben Romick and Glen Alec. I think that Ben Romick, like, if you look at the influence and how much peat is influenced in their whiskey, it seems like it's on the same kind of plane as Springbank. Like, you get a little bit of peat. 
it's not overwhelming like isla stuff mm-hmm. um and you do get this kind of like weird kind of funkiness to it sometimes with some of the ben romick bottlings um so yeah i think that we would aim towards that distillery as being like an alternative for spring bank um i mean of course like you can't replicate spring bank nobody does it they're so unique what i love i mean just the the entire family run organization as a whole the way gordon mcphail just you know you buy a gordon mcphail 25 year old and you're looking at a price that's a third of what the original balling from that exact distillery would be you know so um, depending of course on the particular distillery name for sure yeah i mean that does i mean if it's a spay malt it's going to cost more but um you know uh, compared to McAllen, oh, <laughs> a 21 year old cash rank McAllen, uh, I think the exceptional casts go for beyond $6,000 in this area. So, more than that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, $500, yes, mm. it's expensive, but comparatively not so bad compared to the, you know, original bottling. Yeah. And do you think that exceptional casks? Um, or do you think they're just saying that exceptional cast? <laughs> I well, I I mean, no my, one opens them to know. So yeah, well, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't speak to something I don't know, so I shouldn't speak to it. Uh, I, but... I agree. I agree with you about Benromach. Uh, as a distillery, I've visited in the past. They've got a fantastic team there. Very small distillery. Um. And they produce fantastic quality of whiskey. What holds Ben Romach back is, in fact, the owners in the way that they present it to the whiskey world, because they're trying. They they don't go full integrity. You you sure you the 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 version of Ben Romach you're both mentioning is the cask strength version, mm-hmm. which is a really good single malt at an an accessible price but you're not mentioning the fact that both the 15 year old bin romach and 21 year old bin romach are bottled at 43 percent and therefore as a consequence must be chill filtered it's just it doesn't make sense it just it's just it is almost this crazy mismatch of intentions which confuses the identity of Ben Romach to the whiskey world. And despite the fact that they're aware of it, they choose not to do anything about it. Um, And that's fine because it leaves Ben Romach as something which the most informed whiskey fans can pick up on and they will go for the cask strength. And earlier this year, I don't know if you had it available to yourselves, they had a Polish oak cask version, and that went down an absolute storm. And it was around long enough that the enthusiasts could buy it, and to the speculators and the investors uh, and the folk who want to flip and cash in in the future, uh, it's really of no interest because Ben Romach simply doesn't have that reputation. Mm-hmm. But the actual drinkers are picking up on it because there's something very important that Ben Romach shares with Springbank, and that is the prominence of the savoury notes 
and umami notes mm-hmm. in the sense. In other words, the old school style of the spirit is not clean, fresh and fruity. It is what you would call in the industry a dirty spirit when it's coming off the stills. It's not particularly palatable as a new make spirit, but it put it in a cask for a period of time and it will absolutely transform into something which at times becomes almost meaty. It becomes quite savoury. This sort of Japanese word umami, which is entirely appropriate. And you find these old fashioned styles of elemental and outdoorsy malts are very much coming back into fashionability with really well-informed whiskey enthusiasts, which is another reason why people are now latching on more than ever before onto Edra Dua and its peated version of Balakin. Yeah, which is delicious, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So what new distilleries out there have sat around the table and said, right, what are the whiskey enthusiasts talking about next, buying next, and drinking next? And it's not nice, clean, homogenized, chill-filtered, caramel-loaded whiskey vodka. People are not interested in that. You know, it's called blended scotch. You know, there's a Canadian version that you're speaking to. The people, people you... are looking for the fullness of flavor that actually matches the developed palate that we all have. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just saying uh, there's a Canadian version that this like fits the description of what you've just laid out. And it's Macalonis. Macalonis, uh, their their peated malts yeah. are unbelievable. I don't I don't know if you've had the pleasure of trying yet, but their peated malts. Um, Graham's doing an incredible job with his peated malts. He's using local peat. He's l- using uh, Washington peat, which is like a few kilometers south of them, mm-hmm. and then he's using some uh, British Columbia peat as well. And there, uh, we haven't had a bad peated malt from them. And there, that whiskey is very, very young too. It's very, very, young. very, very young. Yeah, Ralphie, just going back to Ben Romick. Sorry, sorry to interrupt there, Jeremy, but there's something I really want to pop in here because yeah. you're Canadian, right? And it's that Macalonis was being persecuted by the Scotch Whiskey Association for using the name Macaloni. Yeah, which the Scotch Whiskey Association believed had too strong a Scotch whiskey reference as a name, right? And therefore, Macalonis, Graham Macalonis, was invited to change the name of his brand, which he refused to do. He reached out to a number of onliners and people within the whiskey industry to gather support. And I was one of the few who proactively got back to him um, and actually had, you know, we had a few emails and then a a, a video call. And I won't bore you with details of that, but a lovely guy, fascinating distillery, very substantial in in its provenance. Uh, you know, it could be, it could be even at this point in time, it could be Canada's Springbank. Time will tell. Yeah. But 
there was myself and uh, the ex-editor of the whiskey magazine, Dominic Rossgrove, uh, who's sadly no longer with us. We the ones who were proactively standing up um, and supporting through our through our own relative channels, Macaloni's Distillery, and it it, it really we we kind of had a bit of a laugh actually, um, because he was told that he couldn't use the word Caledonian, yeah. right? Now this is Canada, so I said that's not a problem, Graham. How about Canadonian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How could the Scotch whisky industry take you to task and try and cancel you? for using Canada and Caledonian fused into one word. Yeah. You know, there was, and I mentioned it in the, in my opinion, and I'm being careful what I'm saying here, there was a racist overtone to the persecution and victimization of Macaloni's distillery because Macaloni is in fact an Irish surname. First and foremost, not Scottish. And for someone who is authentically using not just their surname, but their heritage in a country in which that heritage is very strong and totally legitimate, it can only be construed to try and shut it down ugly and a form of cultural racism. Now, that is really not something the Scotch Whiskey Association wants to be too heavily connected with, in yeah. my opinion. I was happy to support the guy. He deserved it. And it was like history repeating 14 years later after the, the nastiness towards Glenora Distillery and their Glen Breton brand. And here it was kicking off again on probably the most Scottish country in the world after Scotland. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's you can't, you can't make factual. this up. Yeah. The, yeah. the we absolute had... conceit and arrogance. And someone somewhere, they just don't have the finger in the pulse of modern society, in my opinion. But there we go. That's that's a wee connection between Ralphie and um, and Canada, apart yeah. from the fact that I was, I've attended two of your, your whiskey festivals in the, the long and distant past, enjoyed them very much. Wonderful people, the Canadians, mm. very polite, but I have to say, at times, far too polite for their own good. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> sure. We, we actually um, did an interview of graham on the whiskey rant which if you yeah. haven't already uh you might like it very so insightful you you, yeah. might, you may if you have some time want to check it out um yeah we talked to him um about this exact thing and we're like this exactly happened to glenn Breton. like were you anticipating anything from the scotch whiskey association when you released your whiskey and he said no he said that there was no way that he thought using his own name would somehow bring a red flag up to the Scotts Whiskey Association. He was completely blindsided by it, and we just felt for him, like how. And they he had to um, negotiate essentially, and they, yeah, he dropped Caledonia, and he just called it. I think, and then he had to add the apostrophe s. Yeah, he had a, he had, a, he had yeah, right. It's like it's he he was completely blindsided by um, that. He was not anticipating that from them at all. Yeah, it's 
it's quite shocking because the the Scotch Whiskey Association's purpose is to look after the interests of the Scotch whiskey industry on a global stage. And at this moment in time, a small Canadian distilleries using Scottish-like references, frankly, in my opinion, is the least of their troubles. Right. When you have the growing potential scandal relating to criminal involvement in cask investment scams and projects. Wow. This is serious. It's very serious. And recently, the Cask Investment Association was set up by people connected to the whiskey industry to try and have some sort of governing body to at least advise, if not regulate, the whole speculative, increasingly speculative nature of task investment programs, which are being sold through newspapers, on private media channels, and elderly people with retirement savings are being targeted. And I can see this going exactly the same way as the wine investment scams of the 1990s. It's going the potential of embarrassment and damage to Scotch whiskey's reputation, frankly, is enormous. And it appears at the moment, from my own perspective, that the Scotch Whiskey Association is not doing anything to proactively manage an incoming crisis, that whiskey investment scams are going to be in the future. And the, this is made worse by the fact that there are some honourable players in this field. There are some good players who are trying to run proper businesses, but then you have other companies just popping up out of nowhere and they appear to be allegedly fleecing, scamming, defrauding wow. innocent customers not just in the UK, but particularly in the US. Wow. Yeah, I can Someone's see that. Someone's already been arrested for it. Yep, money, like, as soon as Scotch took off, whiskey in general, I mean, when there's that, that much influence in the market, there's always more for the scammers to take, right? That's right. Especially when you get articles about how whiskey is the number one commodity for investment. More so than precious metals than anything else in the last five five to ten years. Yeah. Yep. Say, says who? Yeah. Uh, business says who exactly. magazines. Business magazines. Yeah. Business magazines. <laughs> says the magazines. <laughs> yeah. Whoever pays the piper calls the tune. Yeah. Magazines yeah. are part of legacy media. They are not there to do much more than present their conventional message and make profit for the people that own it and act as basically act as propaganda units. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all propagandists in our own way, but at least the onlineers, the enthusiasts, just try and keep it even-handed and anybody who doesn't soon gets called out. Yeah. Ralphie, with the whiskey landscape the way it is and, you know, you've done a thousand videos, I don't think you've ever missed a week, correct me if I'm wrong, 
Um, do you ever experience any burnout? Is there ever a time where you're like, I don't want to go to the Bothy today. I don't want to put out another video. Or is it your passion for finding new whiskeys, your passion for the community that keeps you going? Um, do you ever think about um, stopping, pausing, slowing down at all? Well, absolutely. You're right. That I've never missed a week in <laughs> 14 right. years. Yeah, amazing. That's uh, amazing. That is. So, and at times, there was, for a couple of years, I actually did two reviews a week. Um, because it was the the heyday of advertising uh, income on YouTube for that sort of content. And I thought, well, make hay while the sun shines. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I've been able to accommodate because I'm buying what I'm reviewing and I'm reviewing what I want to buy. I'm not trying to say nice things about a bottle of whatever, which has been sent through by a marketing team who are just looking for a quick fix in their daily diary. And there's plenty of that happens. And I yeah. mean, good luck to those who will get get bottles to review. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I just find it so much easier to buy what I'm reviewing. And I'm very fortunate I'm in the position where between the Google AdSense income and my Patreon supporters, I have a budget to buy whiskey, a bottle of whiskey to review every week. Mm. Um, having said that, you'll very rarely see anything over 18 years old getting reviewed. And recently I've started reviewing non-age statements because some of them are better quality um, and more reviewable uh, and more easy to review than poor quality age stated whiskies which are out there. So there are times definitely where I get all whiskeyed out, I open a bottle, I pour a glass and I can't smell a thing because mm -hmm. it's not my decision consciously, it's my subconscious decision of my brain to say, sod this, I just want a glass of red wine. Yep. Um, and there are times where I'll do two reviews back to back so I can take the next 10 days off yeah. completely dry mm -hmm. yeah. with nothing more than a tiny little pour for a taster as I'm doing my research. Because I open the bottle about a month, six weeks before I review it because you'll never get an accurate reading off a first taste. The senses need time to acclimatize to the singularity of the single malt. And as a result, you need to taste a whiskey. And it's tiny little volumes. You don't need any sort of major volume in the glass. In fact, that tends to be a waste. Um, and you just have a wee sip, wee smell, another wee sip, wee smell. Put it aside for an hour, come back to it. It's oxidized. It's opened up. You've added some water. You're starting to navigate it. Put in the experience. Uh, and then basically at the end of it, you say, well, I'm glad I'm not one of these master blenders standing in an office all day yeah. with about 500 glasses in front of me of all the same single malt from the same distillery, but each one from a different cask. And first and foremost, my job is to kind of isolate the really bad casks that have completely spoiled the whiskey and we've got no choice to get rid of them, but to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then I've got to sort out the best from the rest. And then I've got to sort out the priority which to which they contribute to the following batches. I mean, that is such a chore. That's why when you ever see master blenders relaxing in a bar somewhere or people who work in distilleries down the local pub, they'll probably have a gin and tonic. <laughs> or beer. The last, <laughs> the last thing they want, having worked all day with whiskey, is to have a glass of whiskey and be enthusiastic about it. So, like, that hasn't happened for you. You still don't think that, like, this has become so much of a job that you're not still enjoying it. You're still enjoying everything you do, all the whiskey you try. You take breaks when you need to, but it's still a passion for you. It is, because there's a couple of serious advantages I have in running a channel in that the content that I bring each week is different because the bottles are different. Not because I'm saying things differently, but every time I open a different bottle of whatever I'm reviewing, it's a different experience because of the sheer diversity of smell and tastes of quality spirits, not just Scotch whiskey, but rums, and occasionally bourbons. Occasionally, hey, I've got a review of Brazilian whiskey coming up shortly from Union Distillery. Really, really interesting. Totally surprised by it. Um, uh, and of course, this is where on my Patreon channel, you know, we've got a two-way conversation going, which isn't possible in the comments section of your video on YouTube. So the quality of information that you can get going between commentators and contributors in my Patreon channel, it's just amazing. And I tell you, I'm spending half the time picking up tips from other people on what I should buy to review because they've bought it and they're just curious about my opinion. I mean, right. that's the, the reason I got the Cadenheads bottling of from Union Distillery in, in southern Brazil. But another reason that I've managed to sustain success over 14 years is that I don't have the predisp predisposition of being an alcoholic. Uh, yeah, and this good. is important. Um, I can take whiskey or leave it. Sure, and when I was looking after my mum when she was around and she was getting a total handful because she was just too full of energy and I wasn't prepared to give her drugs to settle her down or whatever, mm. um, you know, there was time, the only time in the day that I actually got a break was after she'd gone to bed. And that would be about from 12 to 2 in the morning. So I'd have about seven or eight whiskeys and two bottles of beer. <laughs> and it was my brother says, you're drinking too much, your nose is turning red. And I thought, Damn it, he's right. So at that point, I just right backed off. I had a total clean week, and I thought, right, keep an eye on it. But apart from that, it's never it's never been a problem. There's, I'll go for, a, in fact, it's probably four nights a week now that I go to bed on a, on a mug of cocoa. I don't, I don't touch alcohol at all. Because mm -hmm. the more you segregate your sober, totally sober days, from your alcohol days, the actual, the fresher you keep your palate. Mm -hmm. See, I told you. Uh, and this actually started out before I took it over as a whiskey bothy. It was, in fact, a tool shed um, and had lawnmowers in it and rakes and piles of plastic pots and all the rest of it that had just been absolutely abandoned for, for long, long years. So I just emptied it all out. Uh, got a new little wooden tool shed. Um, and when once I'd emptied the place out, I thought, yeah, 
this is going to be ideal as as a whiskey recording studio because it looks the part and it's the absolute antithesis the exact opposite of the plummy leather chaired roaring fire baronial fancy high-end bars which tend to feature in in whiskey magazines with you know this um illustration of old old moneyed wealth um, or, or and, two canadian d-bags <laughs> well, you know you can relate to this the, yeah. <laughs> this the, the the industry likes to present itself as aspirational and it gets it totally wrong because it presents it as socio-economic aspirational rather than aspirational to enjoy and appreciate and develop a palette in the most extraordinary way that's possible um, with actual engagement in many whiskies which are not only accessible but remarkably affordable you know when you look at what you can buy for fifty dollars you know you mentioned cask strength bin roma i'm sure it's a lot more than fifty dollars but the actual quality of that experience in relation to buying a luxury designer produce item like a handbag or a, a suit or a pair of trainers you know it's it's night and day Absolutely. Uh, there's an awful lot of trash out there which masquerades as luxury high-end goods Actually, you just we, have yeah no um you're right and the ben romic cash drink just to speak to that really quickly is to my surprise it was 97 dollars canadian yeah very good price which was an very, excellent price very good opinion. price for that it still hasn't got the uh the bump the other whiskeys they've it's significantly less than most i mean glen is around the same price for right. the 10 year old castring yeah. but great price i thought well let me tell you right now guys don't say too much about that because they will put the prices up <laughs> well ralphie you know it's it's is nominated for um for whiskey of the year the only yeah. Scotch whiskey awards um you know it might receive a couple votes and if it wins then look out Look out if it wins. Right. Just for the record, the online Scotch Whiskey Award voting has concluded a few days ago for 2023. I am aware of both Roy and I are the only ones aware of who has won. And neither Roy nor myself are saying anything about <laughs> I'm sure there's someone at the Bonacore that's like, you know, feeding you a couple couple whiskeys and trying to poke you for some information here and there. They'll be lucky they can poke away and feel <laughs> with one. My lips are sealed until the live stream from the Aquavit channel and Roy's channel mm -hmm. of the online Scotch Whiskey Award official presentation with guests um, on Saturday the 4th of November. And I'm sure you guys will provide a link below when Absolutely. this goes live. We Absolutely. will, yeah. This will air uh, the Monday and then the Saturday will be, the, it will be like this Saturday will be the uh, 
the award show, I think. The Saturday following when this airs. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're yeah. watching this, it's it's this Saturday coming up. So tune in. Yeah. Um, November 4th. It's going to be very interesting. I'm super excited to see uh, all these categories and what has been voted. Um, Ralphie, you are a published author. You have a thousand whiskey reviews, many more videos, lots of insight to the whiskey uh-huh. world. Um, you have the Online Scotch Whiskey Awards. What's next? What's on the horizon for Ralphie? Right. Well, I'm celebrating um, the thousandth review in in the form of an installation in Glasgow at the beginning of November. Okay. Right. I will be at Good Spirits Company in Bath Street in Glasgow, which is a specialist whiskey retail shop. And I've known the guys for absolutely years. And I will have an art show there of A3 canvases on which photographs from my whiskey collection of photographs, some of them have been put on to the canvas. And I sign them all, ralphie.com, to commemorate 1,000 reviews, 2009 to 2023. Uh, they're selling for £100 each, and all the money raised from the sale of the art is going to a food bank in nice. Glasgow to support families with children who need assistance. Because awesome. the reason I'm into whiskey is because I was in Glasgow. Glasgow, over the decades, has done such a lot for me. So I'm doing something for Glasgow. Uh, and it's very modest, it's very small, but it's also quite important to me. And the thousandth review is the perfect opportunity for an introvert who'd rather be in the bothy to actually get out and about. So it starts with the um, Online Scotch Whiskey Awards on Saturday the 4th of November. Then from Monday the 6th of November to the Monday the 10th of November, uh, I will be at Good Spirits Company, making occasional visits to the Bon Accord uh, to also launch my my beer, which I've commissioned Ooh. from a local brewery oh. called Whiskey Chaser. There you go. And, oh, very yeah. cool. I like the name. I like <laughs> it's the name. first, guys. Nobody's done it before. Uh, <laughs> I've arranged with the distillery that they develop a recipe for a real ale which is perfect as an accompaniment to a whiskey. Wow. So okay. it's got to be no more than about 4.5% alcohol. It mustn't be sweet. It's got to be cream, clean, crisp, and malty. So it's that when you sip the beer, it's not going to interfere with the quality of the whiskey that you're drinking. Likewise, once you've had the whiskey, when you go to the beer, you'll see how it matches and compliments and we are launching this at the bon accord on tap only not available in bottles or cans only on tap in the bar for that week um i'll be recording i'll be doing a book reading in the bon accord um i'll be doing a little bit about the oswes in the bon accord i will have um two guest 
whiskey evening tastings, which, sorry, guys, I can't say what it is <laughs> until it goes public because my Patreon subscribers get the first chance to get tickets. There you go. Right. Well, we'll be there. It's the fair way to do it. Right. I've also got Ardna Merkin are providing, as I did for my 10th anniversary, Ardna Merkin have agreed to provide a single barrel of seven-year-old heavily peated cast strength Ardna Merkin for Ralphie. Wow, very nice. Which will sell only at the Good Spirits Company. Um, it's it's an absolute banger of a malt, and it's got my little emoji on the front, and I'll be signing a few bottles. And I approached um, Ardna Merkin and said, Ralphie here, do you fancy doing a Ralphie bottling? Uh, and I'm not looking for anything out of it apart from the bling. And the bling is that they are going to donate the profits to the Ben Foundation charity which supports people with alcohol-related problems who have been or are working in the Scotch whiskey industry. Very nice. That's awesome. Maybe we can work yeah. out a trade. We're not gonna. We we're not allowed to divulge just yet what's happening. Or well, Jeremy's very reserved about it. He doesn't want to talk too much about it. But we'll 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 let you know off off uh, recording what's happening. Let's but do a bottle swap. We'll do a bottle swap if if you're up for it. Um, you know. But Wilfrey, we commend you for your theanthropy. Theanthropy? Yeah. Theanthropy. Philanthropy. 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 Yes. <laughs> Philanthropy. Um, I well, mean, finished yet, by the way. I haven't mentioned the signatory. Oh, geez. Go oh, ahead. There you go. Yeah. Got a single <laughs> barrel of 16 year old Glenlivet matured in a sherry hogshead cask strength. Very nice. All the profits from signatory for signatory are going into the Pitlochry community. They're going back to the distillery to go into local community projects. So that's the other one. And I've also, um, because I own a number of casks myself, so as to have the experience of owning casks, managing casks, and bottling casks to see how it's done so I can talk sensibly about it. I've got some uh, Ralphie bottling of 15-year-old um, four square rum. Oh, wow. Okay. Which has been maturing for two years in an ex Madeira cask, fresh wow. wet Madeira cask. Very cool. And I also get 19 year old Brachlady, single cask, and 10 year old Glenord. Wow. Which will be a lot cheaper than the Brachlady, which <laughs> is why I bottled it as well to give people the option. Nice. So, so you're, you're not slowing down at all. There's no, there's no slowing down for you. There's, there's, there isn't, there isn't. And in the, I've really, a thousand reviews, what I'm planning is the strategy of fair representation for those who are in a strict budget or those that don't have great availability of where they are, whiskey where they are. So next year, I'll, this year I did a world tour tasting review over six weeks, including Swedish whiskey, Indian whiskey, Australian whiskey. Um, and next year I'll be doing 
I'll be looking out for the best of the blended malts, and I'll be looking out for some of the highlight traditional Scotch whiskey that actually deliver good value for the price that's being asked. That's my challenge. So there's definitely, there's fresh ways you can do it. Uh, what's important is I don't get too institutionalized here in the Bothy and just pull out another bottle of whiskey and say a few nice things. So there will be rants, there will be controversy, there will be complaint letters to the invigilators at uh, YouTube Central. <laughs> um, it's going to happen. Um, I, I still have a mixed reputation within the Scotch whiskey industry in that most people are quite happy I'm around, but some people find me annoying because I'm really not expert enough to be doing what I'm doing mm -hmm. because there's bloopers <laughs> because there's mis because there's you know sometimes I don't even read the label of the bottle I just go ahead and I just give an opinion and it is an opinion yep. and it does piss some people off because they'd rather it was more organized and more you know they'd rather Ralphie had a makeover and moved out this smelly damp old bothy into more suitable premises where the, where the lighting was better and the editing was more professionally done. What do you think, guys? Should no. I? No, Absolutely I think if, if you're not expert enough, then no one should be on YouTube that's, doing yeah. whiskey oh, reviews yeah. at so, all. That's and uh, no, we like your style. It's very raw. I, I know that you don't edit and it's a one take you post, you post it up. And that's like so impossible for us to do, uh, for yeah. me personally. And we commend you for that. And that's that's why I think a lot of people like your channel. Yeah, I mean, the the background here looks a little bit more professional than it actually is. Uh, you know, I did it myself with my brother-in-law. <laughs> we built it. Uh, I mean, my, my brother-in-law did most of it. But, you know, the TV is meant for entertaining myself, my kids, when, when the uh, channel shut off. So it's not necessarily, it looks more pretentious than it actually is. But um, no, I think it you're great fine. where you are. The thing is, yeah. main thing is, you've got the stashes of bottles behind you, including fifteen-year-old Springbank. Yes, that's probably yeah, see it. That one, that one there is. Well, those there's two actually up there. One is from, I believe, uh, January 2022, and the other one is from June 2022. And probably, dare I say, some of my favorite bottlings ever yeah you really like those ones you really like those yeah they're really good well ralphie um thanks so much again for joining the channel it's always a huge pleasure and honor that uh you grace us with your presence knowledge um everything you got going on everyone tune in to the online scotch whiskey awards november 4th i'm very excited to see the winners announced with you and roy and uh yeah i mean Excited Thanks to, uh, plug, to see all the stuff you've got coming up in the future. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the plug. I do appreciate it. And by the way, thank you both for contributing to the Oswitz. Our pleasure. Yeah, our, pleasure. our pleasure for sure. Um, yeah. and, and this is the this is the wonderful thing is that the sheer geographical diversity of enthusiasts bringing their own geographical perspective 
of what's available or what's not available, uh, or just what's just what is actually significant in each category. And this is this is the great thing that it evens the playing field so wonderfully well. Uh, and yet, at the same time, the industry is looking on saying, if we want to really know what our customers think of our product or what our customers think are the best of Scotch whiskey products, we don't have to employ consultants anymore. We'll just go and check the last edition of the online Scotch whiskey awards because the format is completely and totally democratic. One vote per person and thousands have voted. That's awesome. Love that. In the meantime, how about your plans? What's happening at whiskey in the six? What's happening at uh, (laughs) super Super social Social club? Club. Uh, Well, I mean, we've been doing a lot of ranting. We do. That's probably the base, the majority of our content these days. We like having these little discussions. Um, you know, taking a page from your book and ranting about things. We got our next uh, podcast after this one will be about port, port matured whiskey, where it goes right, where it goes wrong. It seems yeah. like port is very finicky sometimes uh, when you put whiskey in the barrel. And um, yeah, we'll just we discuss those. Some good, some bad. Absolutely, because. Yeah. Pork can have exactly the same effect as the sherry. It can become this enormous overcoat mm-hmm. um, on on imposed on a whiskey that that actually kind of wipes out the integrity of the character of the individual spirit. But great subject. I mean, the secret of success with any rant is to conclude it or start it by saying, "In my opinion." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, that is very, yeah. very important. Oh, we've learned that the hard way, for sure. <laughs> oh, you've the hard way. Oh, do share. Do share. Have you been well, I mean, in we, we've had our we've had our fair share of trolls <laughs> and uh, individuals that feel they, you know, we're we're going about it all wrong. Yeah, the Ralphie Ralphie dot com comment section is very mild for the most part compared to uh, some stuff that we see. But yeah. we give it back. I mean, I give it back to them just as hard as they give it to us. So it's uh, you don't get away with a few things. Yeah, I try to take a little bit. More you 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 take the approach. high road, and I I take whatever road they're they're traveling. On. <laughs> I just <laughs> always got to remember that it could be my students on the other end of that. Yeah, so. yeah it doesn't, that doesn't yes. matter to me. <laughs> one thing to note is that with some of the wonderful people that surround us on this planet, it's not so much. The insults you need to worry about is the compliments. There you go. That's a good point. I like that. That's a great point. Yeah. I like that. Ralphie, thank you so much. Uh, again, really much appreciated. Absolutely. And um, see you on thanks. November 4th. Yeah, and thanks, guys, for having me on your your channel again. Um, I appreciate it. I know I've been a little bit rambly, but hey, you know what to expect. And love it. I think you're very it. patient. And thanks for your quality questions. Yeah, I'm like, um, what's his face at Springbank? We had he had no questions for you. <laughs> he had four. He had four. I think it was four I was questions. John. That's fantastic. John, yeah, is there any like questions that? for me? No. You, you can't script it. You cannot script that. And it was, that was great. it was great because I got enough of an interview. It was lighthearted. 
There was it was completely unexpected, and it was just John being John because yeah. he's such a practical, down to earth guy, and it's these kind of guys in the whiskey industry that actually keeps the machinery working. Yeah. Yeah. These are the people that actually make whiskey. They roll up their sleeves, they push barrels, they know how to work the forklift, they know how to repair casks when they start to leak, because it happens. They know how to lay out a malting floors. John's done it all. He is he is absolutely vital to the future, and people like him to the future of Scotch whiskey. So it's it's very rare that folk like John in a conventional interview would even even get a look in. And sure, he didn't really want to say too much, but it was great. It just made a very singular, different type of video. And when he when I asked him, is there any questions you want to ask me? He says, no. I was just <laughs> hilarious. It was a funny moment. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was really good. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Appreciate it. And yeah, we'll see you November 4th. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. All right, guys. That's what they're doing for us. Uh, thanks so much for watching and uh, cheers. Cheers, everyone.